All right, well, good morning to GT Church West Lawn. We are so glad that you have um, chosen to worship with us today. I'm excited for the potential that exists in this room. I believe that there's an enormous amount of potential that exists right now in this, these next 30 or 40 minutes uh, for God to do a work in our lives, and we wanna welcome in our audience online. Uh, there's also enormous potential that exists through that camera lens. If you're joining us Via GT Live, you're doing church online today. We welcome you and are glad that you have availed yourself to the voice of God through his word um, in this place. And also, we want to welcome in our, our audience at GT Kutztown. Man, we welcome you. Let's welcome in our audience at Kutztown today, church. I trust that if you're tuned in uh, through the lens at Kutztown, you could hear our applause and our, our, our warmth towards you. And we believe also that there's an enormous amount of potential that exists in that, um, that multi-purpose room, in that middle school out at Kutztown for God to do a work in your life. And so I'm excited for uh, what I believe God has put on my heart to share with you today. Um, I'm praying, I hope you'll pray with me for my voice today. Um, I've been battling a cold. How many have been battling a cold? Oh yeah, okay, so everybody in this room, how about Kutztown? Um, I've been fighting a cold for about two weeks and a couple of days, and um, it was good this week, middle of the week, and then Yesterday was a really rough night for coughing and things like that. So, man, I am trusting God that he is going to give me the grace to make it through uh, the, the message today. I know that God is able to do that. I'm going to do my best to manage my volume and my voice and all that. But um, I believe that th th this is an exciting day. This is an exciting moment in time, uh, an exciting opportunity for every one of us to dial into what God wants to say. And I want to I say this there. There's so much potential. I believe that today's message, whether you have been a committed Christ follower for 30 years, and many of you have been, you've been faithfully, some of you have been following Christ for 30 years times two. You know, a lot of us have been following Jesus. But whether you've been following Christ for 30 years or 30 minutes, or even, listen, even if you are not yet a Christ follower, even if you're here today, and some, a friend brought you or you just stopped in or you kind of felt a stirring to come to church and you found yourself in this room. The message today has the ability to affect every person regardless of where you sit today. Every person at the sound of my voice, listen, this is why. Every person at the sound of my voice knows what it is like to want your words back. How many of you know what it's like to wish that you could kind of press the rewind button on some words you just spoke? Come on, raise your hand if you're with me, right? Like, we all know the feeling. We all know the, what it's like to, like, just wish I could do, like, get them back in my mouth. Like, they just, sometimes words escape us. They just kind of come flying unfiltered. And there are many moments, it's not just once or twice, but it is often the case that we wish that we could get our words back. Now, we've been... Studying a, a series, we started last week, Pastor Brian started a series called Wisdom, uh, and we're studying the Proverbs. Hopefully many of you have been reading the Proverbs with us a chapter a day. Uh, maybe some of you even read this morning, chapter 12. It speaks about the topic that we'll talk about this week. And all week long, if you're keeping up or catching up, you'll be in Proverbs 13 through 17 this week. You'll be reading about the impact of your words. Uh, all throughout this, the middle of Proverbs, King Solomon writes a lot of Proverbs very succinctly about the way that our words affect ourselves and those around us. And so last week, Wisdom Is, it was just kind of an introductory message. If you haven't had a chance to watch that, I would encourage you to visit our website, 
and go online and, and check it out. Pastor Brian gave us um, nine specific uh, things that wisdom does in our lives in, in kind of a broad sense. Go to the church app, however it is that you wanna access that. But I'd encourage you, if you haven't seen it, to go back and check it out. He gave a great summary of the book of Proverbs and how to approach wisdom literature. Uh, today, we're gonna talk about what wisdom says. How, how, do we, how do we allow the word of God, the wisdom literature, and the Proverbs impact what happens uh, right here? And every one of us, again, every one of us at the sound of my voice needs this message. You don't even have to be a, a Christ follower. You don't have to be a Christian. You don't even have to believe in God to allow this message to impact your life. Uh, if you do any reading on the way that speech is formed in the body, uh, you would discover that there are many different components or aspects to how words actually are formed on your tongue. Uh, physiologically, uh, there are numerous areas in the brain that are involved. There's Broca's area that is the, the thought processing center of your words. There's Wernicke's area that takes the thought and forms it into words. Uh, there's, there are areas in the brain that coordinate those two areas. There are areas in the brain that control the muscles of your mouth, of your vocal cords, of your respiration, the cerebellum is involved. There are probably six or seven very specific aspects of your, your physical body that produce words. But I want to remind us today that while all of that is true, Jesus told us that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And while all of those different physiological components are happening right now in my body as I allow my heart to inform my brain, to inform my mouth, to cause words to be formed. Uh, the Bible says, Jesus was very clear that whatever is happening here, happened here first. And we've talked about this. This is probably a message that should be repeated once a year, once a quarter, some of you. For some of you, once a month. You need to be reminded of the power of your words and the power of your tongue and what the Bible says. And today will be, I think, a really exciting approach for us because we're diving into the Proverbs. And these make, these, friends, these make amazing parenting tools. Uh, raise your hand if you're a parent today. Could sound, raise your hand if you're a parent today. You should, if you are not, you should be using the Proverbs in your parenting. Uh, the, the Proverbs are amazingly powerful. They're like the most concise truth delivery system that the Bible gives us. It's like there's so much power packed into one pithy statement. And they're amazingly useful in your hands as you parent your children. But you, but listen, you have to be living them out as well in order for you to be directing your children to do the same. And that's what we'll talk about today. Because Proverbs, we'll look at a couple of these in, in the introduction. Then we'll, I'm gonna give you three very specific Proverbs that speak to our speech. Proverbs 18.21, many of you have heard this proverb. It says that the tongue holds the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The Proverbs remind us, again, you'll read that next on Saturday if you're tracking with us in the, the, the Proverbs. The proverb reminds us that the words that we speak have potential to produce life or to produce death. 
Now, I don't have to ask you a question or to raise your hand. How many of you wanted to produce life? Because all of us would raise our hand. Yet why is it that so often our tongue is not producing life? It's doing the exact opposite. I want us to look at that today. There's a proverb that says this. Chapter 20, verse 15. It says, gold there is and rubies in abundance, but the lips that speak knowledge are a rare jewel. The proverb says that there's more gold and rubies in the world than there are lips that speak knowledge. Now, again, I would say to you, if you are a Christ follower, that it is God's will for your life to be one of those people who is able to speak knowledge into other people's lives. And it might happen sporadically for you, but I don't believe that God wants you to sporadically live out his will for your life. God wants you to consistently live out his will for your life. Amen, church? And the other one I wanna show you before we jump into the, the specific uh, Proverbs for today is in the New Testament. Because some of you might be like, well, that's the Old Testament, Scott. That doesn't apply to us. Well, it applies to us. It may not be directly to us, but it's for us. James said this, and James, if you're familiar with, if you're a Bible reader and you're familiar with James, you know that James is a very hard-hitting epistle. He, he writes very directly. James, of all people in his writing, might be the most unfiltered of those who write, wrote in the Bible, and we read their writings today. James said this, those who consider themselves religious. Now, I would hazard a guess that most of you in this room, most of you online and at Kutztown, would probably view yourself as being religious. Again, we can, get, we can get caught up into semantics there. Well, we're not religious, we're Christ followers. That's true, absolutely. But those who know you, right, your, your coworkers, your friends, your family, they know that you go to church, they know that you follow Jesus, they would call you religious, okay? So that's what James is talking to you and I. He said that those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. James says if you consider yourself to be a religious person, yet don't control and moderate what happens here, he literally says you are fooling yourself. It doesn't mean you're being fooled by somebody else or being deceived by an outside entity. James says you are deceiving yourself. And then he says, and their religion is worthless. And that is, that is direct, right, church? That is hard hitting. He is in your face about how important it is, how vital it is that you learn how to filter your words. That's right, amen, thank you. Amen. And I would, I would encourage our church this way, our whole church family, uh, as we jump into the, the Proverbs for today, I would, I would remind us that what happens on Sunday must affect what happens on Monday. What happens in this room, what happens at Kutztown, what happens online in your church experience, what happens in here on Sunday, it, listen, it must affect our lives out there on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. If your experience of church life is for an hour and 15 minutes on Sunday, and it has no impact on your life for the other 167 hours of your life, James says your religion is worthless. And that is not the call of God 
on your life. Listen, if you are a Christ follower, the Bible says you are in covenant relationship with the God of the universe. You are in a covenant relationship. You are in the same kind of relationship with God as a husband is with his wife. That's a covenant relationship. And if you're a Christ follower, if you have made a decision to make Jesus your Lord, the Bible says that you are in a covenant with the Most High God. Surely the covenant relationship that you have with Jesus asks more of you than simply to sit in a chair on a Sunday morning. Can you say amen if you're with me, church? I want to jump into this this word that God has put on my heart today, and you're going to read these passages throughout the week. If, again, if you are tracking with us in Proverbs, devotionally, you're going to encounter all three of these very specific Proverbs that I'm gonna share with you this morning. I would encourage you, as Brian did last week, as you are reading the Proverbs this week, I would encourage you to have a paper, uh, paper and pad, pencil next to you, and jot down the Proverbs that really impact you. Uh, my life group this Thursday night, my I see some of you sitting here. My plan is that we're gonna talk about the Proverbs that impacted us for the first 17 chapters. So life group members, come ready, okay? It's gonna be a quiz, all right? You got that? I see some of you. Um, But listen, I I want you to to develop a habit in your life that you're not just reading the the word to check a box. And listen, I do that. We've talked about this. I do that sometimes. But in the Proverbs, there are so many different topics in a very short amount of time that you have to be diligent about writing some things down. Even parenting, if, if you read a proverb that, that affects the way that you can deliver truth to your children, write it down. Share it with your kids and have them memorize it. And then when, when something is happening in your parenting world, you remind them, hey, listen, Lucas, Matthew, Erlen, the proverb says X, Y, and Z, and then I'll call your kids by their own names, okay? But... um. You can use these in, in your parenting, and it has an amazing effect on that. Now, I would, I would caution you, and we've said this before in this church, I would caution you to not parent your spouse. Are you with me, right? Don't say to your wife or your husband, now, now honey, listen, now honey, the proverb says, don't, don't patronize your spouse, okay? Don't parent your spouse. You parent your children, you're in covenant with your spouse. Everybody say amen. amen. All right. So I want to give you three Proverbs that I think, again, there are so many that are impactful and, and life-changing, but these are the three that I want to share with us today. Um, and the first one is this. He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Now, when you read the Proverbs, and you've been reading, many of you, you'll, you'll recognize a pattern in how they're constructed. Essentially, the Proverbs, many of them are written this way. If A, then B. If not A, then C, right? If you do A, you'll, you'll see B happen. And if you don't do A, you'll get C. And the proverb says, he who guards his lips guards his life, A and B. If I guard my lips, I will guard my life. But if I speak rashly, the Bible says, I will come to ruin. Let's start with the back half of that verse. If you are looking for a way to implode your life, 
You know this. Simply start saying whatever you want, whenever you want, and wherever you want to say it. Your life will quickly become unraveled. Amen, church? Your life will become a mess before Friday. Your marriage will become a mess before the end of today. <laughs> Come on, somebody say amen, right? <coughs> right, dear? Our marriage, my marriage, will be, be off the rails if either one of us begins to say whatever we want, however we want, in whatever fashion we want to say it. Because the Bible says, he who guards his life, guards, guards his lips, guards his life, but who speaks rashly comes to ruin. In fact, you don't have to dig deep in any one of these Proverbs to find personal examples for when this would have happened in your life. I can think back to one time when I almost got into a, I've, I've shared this before, when I was in spring training, I played minor league baseball, I was in spring training, and I was in the bullpen, and we were having a little uh, jaw session. And, you know, if you're an athlete, your locker room talk is different than church talk, let me just kind of say it that way. Um, and we were having a conversation, it turned religious, and then I got into this little kind of jawing match with Jarrett Wright. He's a major league pitcher, you probably recognize his name. And um, I said something that was unguarded, to say the least, and Jarrett like immediately wanted to like throw fists, and I'm like, this isn't gonna work out well for me. Uh, Jarrett was like 6'3", 240, he would have pummeled me. Um, but how many of you have found yourself in trouble because you didn't guard your lips? Some of you, I didn't ask you to raise your hand, but the conviction is setting in. Could sound, right? Like the conviction sets in. We know what happens when we don't guard our lips. Some of you would use the word filter. We need to filter our words. We need to guard our lips because it means that we will guard our life. Uh, we, we know that an unguarded tongue damages relationships. Much of, when we talk about words and speech, much of it applies to the way that our relationships go in and out of health. Toxic words produce toxic relationships. Unguarded words produce unguarded relationships. And if you're, you're filling out your, your note sheet on the app, if you have the app open, you wanna fill in the blanks like I do when I listen, the first lesson is this. That a wise tongue is a guarded tongue. If you wanna have the tongue of the wise, again, the Proverbs contrast the wise and the foolish, a wise tongue is a guarded tongue. And I would encourage you to guard your tongue on a regular basis. Number two is this. <coughs> Proverbs 15, 21. Now, when you think about the way that we speak, if you're married, if you're in a relationship, if you're dating, if you're engaged, whatever, even your relationship with coworkers, cousins, aunts, uncles, sometimes you find yourself in conflict. Sometimes you find yourself exchanging harsh words or tense words or disagreements and different perspectives and opinions. Uh, maybe when Eagles fans and Cowboys fans watch football together, you have to guard your words a little bit. Now, you're not watching, you're not watching your teams anymore, but um, <laughs> oh, I know, I'm sorry. I'm an Eagles fan too, I like the Eagles, but listen, it's, it's fun, right? And if, listen, we have to remember, this is not on, in my notes, but will you remind yourself that it is just a game? It's a bunch of grown men getting paid a lot of money to play a game. If you are getting into a shouting match with a friend or family member over a football game, you are taking it way too 
seriously. Thus saith the Lord, okay? That's a word from God Almighty right there. All right. Okay, uh, listen, this is, this is so powerful. This little truth nugget is so valuable in your life, and I want this to kind of marinate over your soul. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh reply stirs up anger. The proverb says that a gentle answer turns away wrath. How many of you in your relationships have observed the behavior that when you get into a disagreement, this happens in marriage, I meet with married couples, engaging couples, engaged couples all the time, and as we talk about conflict, you see that they, they do this thing I, I call climbing the ladder, that one of them elevates a little bit, then to match that I elevate a little bit more, and then I'll go a little bit higher, then you elevate, elevate, all of a sudden you start climbing the ladder and the intensity of your conversation over what started out to be just a minor disagreement on pink color. Now you're talking about laundry and chores and dishes and what you said eight weeks ago. <laughs> now wait a second, we wanted to pick between tan and blue. How did you get onto the laundry? Because you, you just start to climb the ladder. And the proverb says, this is so powerful. A gentle answer turns away wrath. It's listen, if you, need a, if you need a picture for this, a gentle answer is like diffusing a bomb. Because every disagreement that we find ourselves in, especially in marriage, holds the potential to become explosive, right? Some of you know that all too well. Our disagreements with coworkers over football games, over the trivial matters of life, most disagreements hold the potential to become arguments. And if you'll learn how to diffuse the situation by giving a gentle answer, instead of by climbing the ladder and matching the intensity, what could God do with that? How could God bring harmony and peace into your relationships if you would learn, if I would learn, how to give a gentle answer instead of a harsh reply? I don't, I don't have to ask you to go very far back in your history to think about a time when you gave a harsh reply and think about the outcome. Think about what happens in your, your marriage when you give a harsh reply. It doesn't, it's not helpful when you do that. It, and, and a harsh reply, it's not diffusing a situation. A harsh reply would be more like a lightning rod. When you give a harsh response, it's like, it's like drawing attention and, and building a head of steam in a conversation. And one of the things that, when I think of a, a gentle response, so the, the second thing that you might fill out in your notes is this. A wise tongue is often a gentle tongue. And that doesn't mean always. It doesn't mean we walk around talking like a sheep and a dove and like we just walk in. We're always in this deference kind of mode like, well, we're always, you know, quiet and timid. I don't, I don't, that's, I don't think that's what the proverb is saying. In fact, if you read this again, it says a harsh reply. I wonder if it's already, it already has in mind that you're in the middle of a conversation that could turn badly. Because it, it doesn't say a harsh word, it says a harsh reply. And one thing that every one of us can work on, again, doesn't matter if you're a Christ follower for 30 years or you're new to church, 
Every one of us, in the sound of my voice, can learn to work on our tone. Everybody say amen. Come on. I know it applies to everybody in this room. Your tone online could sound, we can work on our tone. A wise tongue is often a gentle tongue. A gentle answer turns away wrath. So we've seen two so far. The first one, again, reminds us that he who guards his lips guards his life. The second one, a gentle answer turns away wrath. The third one, in my mind, is a bell ringer. This one, I, again, I, I love the Proverbs. I read through the Proverbs several times a year. I've been doing that as a practice in my life probably for 20 years. I would encourage you to do the same. I, I mark in my Bible every time I, I read through it. I use a different letter so I know how many, I just kind of track with how often I've read through them and I just want to see where I'm at with my own spiritual development and growth. And this is one of my all-time favorites because again, the Proverbs have such a, a unique way of delivering truth to us. They have a unique way of illustrating, of, of helping us to see something that we don't always pay attention to. And the last one is this, and I, I love this. Again, you'll encounter this on Friday if you're reading with us. Even a fool is thought wise if he keeps silent and discerning if he holds his tongue. And the body of Christ said, amen, right? This, again, the, the, the Proverbs throughout are contrasting the wise with the foolish. Now, you notice maybe this proverb doesn't have the same construction as the other two. It's not if A, then B, if not A, then C. This is a reinforcement. It's what they call a symmetrical proverb. The second part reinforces the first part. And I love the way that this proverb so, so beautifully illustrates the power of what I would call sometimes a silent tongue. And again, if you're taking notes, a wise tongue is sometimes, not always, but sometimes a silent tongue. The way that I understand this proverb, it's just the way that I read it, is that if you're in a room or you're in a conversation and you're, you're not sure that what you're about to say is the right thing to say, again, you don't have to dig very deep. To think about a time in a conversation where when you reflect on what you said, you, you realize that you should have chosen silence instead of speaking. Amen, church? It happens all the time, right? All the time in our marriages, our relationships, at work, right? When you look back, you realize that you should have opted for silence instead of for speaking. And the proverb says that if you simply choose not to speak, the world around you will consider you to be wise. And I liken it to this, that again, I might be saying this a little bit too directly for some of you, but I think that what the proverb is illustrating is that you could literally be the dumbest person in the room. You could be the least wise person. I know dumb feels a little bit offensive, okay. The least wise person in the room, okay. And you can be in a conversation, you can be in a small group setting, somebody's living room or, or our basement, like whatever the case. And if you just sit there and nod and like, hmm. everybody practice, practice that, just do this. 
And I, I'm, I'm giving you wisdom for this life, right? Come on, this is, gonna, and this is gonna help you this week at work, I promise you. Because the proverb will be true in your life. The Proverbs give us what is generally true, and it says, even a fool is thought wise. It doesn't say even a fool is not foolish. It says even a fool is thought wise if they keep silent and discerning. Now again, fools are known for lack of discernment, right? When we think of the Proverbs, hopefully you've been encountering the Proverbs, you see that when the Proverbs speak of those who are foolish, Oftentimes, they're helping us see how fools lack judgment and discernment. And the proverb says that a, a fool is thought to be discerning if they hold silent. So a wise tongue is sometimes a silent tongue. Let me wrap this up for us, okay? So let me review the three things that we've said. A wise tongue is a guarded tongue, right? Amen, church? He who guards his lips guards his life. And I, I would encourage you, again, I don't know what your practice has been and how you've been working in this new year to engage with the Proverbs and, and allow them to affect and impact your life, but I would challenge you to take these three Proverbs and write them on a piece of paper, hang them on your fridge, put them on the dashboard of your car, put them on your desk at work, and work at memorizing and internalizing these Proverbs and living them out. Because as you live out these Proverbs, you will walk in wisdom and discernment as a follower of Jesus. So number one is this, a wise tongue is sometimes, you know, is always a guarded tongue. A wise tongue is a guarded tongue. Number two, a wise tongue is sometimes a gentle tongue. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh reply stirs up anger. And number three, a wise tongue is sometimes a silent tongue. Even a fool is thought wise when he keeps silent and discerning when he holds his tongue. So let me close this. We're gonna watch a video in a few minutes um, that's gonna kind of give you an opportunity to, to be able to speak life. But some of the Proverbs that we looked at, some of them, they kind of feel like, man, direct, and they're not really, they don't feel as life-giving as I'd like them to be. I wanna give you a a final proverb that to me kind of wraps these three together. And it reminds us of the heritage that is ours in Christ Jesus. Again, I said at the, I said at the very beginning of this message that every one of us in this room, if, and it could sound, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are in a covenant relationship with the Most High God. And I have to believe that when you are in a covenant relationship with God that he wants more for us than for us to lose control with our tongue on Monday. What happens here on Sunday has to affect your Monday. And, and some of you might be hearing me, you might be thinking, well, Scott's just talking about, I gotta stop cursing, right? I gotta stop using vulgarity or, or coarse joking or, no, 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 I'm not, there, that's a great place to start, okay? I'm not saying you should not stop that, okay? If you're using, listen, friends, if you're using words that you know don't honor the name of Jesus, just stop, right? Like, guard your tongue. But I'm talking about the nuance of how we engage in relationship and how we, we, we speak life to others and not death. The tongue holds the power of life and death. And this is the last proverb I wanna share with you. It's Proverbs 10, 11. It says that the mouth of the righteous 
is a fountain of life. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Now, can you agree with me, church, that this is what God wants for you and me as the followers of Jesus, as the people who consider themselves to be religious? Again, in church, we sometimes don't love the word religion, religious, because it's all about relationship, not religion, and that's true, but for the sake of what I'm talking about, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. This is what God wants for your life. He wants you to be a person through whom he can deliver life to other people. He wants to use your words to deliver life to those around you. And not just to your coworkers and not just to your cousins and not just to your friends, but listen, he even wants you to deliver life to your spouse and to your children and to your parents and to your brothers and sisters. If you wanna be a person who is considered to be wise and to be righteous, then the mouth of the righteous, the will of God for your life, the call of God, the heritage of the saints is that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, that you'll give life and not death. And I wanna give you, we're gonna give you an opportunity right now, um, I'm gonna come back after this video to close the message so this video isn't the opportunity for you to kind of step out or go pick your kids up early. We still have a couple things to say in closing, but this video, even in Kutztown, you're gonna see the same thing. The video will, will kind of highlight an opportunity for some of you. This isn't gonna be for everybody in this room, but for some of you, you've been looking for a, a next step. I, I have next steps I'll share with everybody, but here's a step that some of you might take. You might be ready to become a group leader of some sort. And you're ready to say, you know what, God, I've been growing, I've been learning, I've been uh, allowing the Proverbs to speak my life, I've been, I've been reading devotionally, I've been following Jesus for a little bit of time, and I wanna take the next step and be able to invest in others and allow my mouth to be a fountain of life. So check this video out, and I'll come back after the video. Growing up in like, a, I went to a Christian school, we went to church Wednesday and Sunday, uh, going to Penn State, we went to church Wednesday and Sunday. Like it was just a very, like it was really active. And then when we got married, um, church then more so became like, we go on Sundays and we leave. And then we go on Sundays and we leave. And that just didn't feel right. I knew that we were coming to church and that was a great thing to do, but I just felt like that connectedness wasn't happening. And uh, I knew serving was a great way to get, to start that and then also leading the life group would find the people that would keep us connected and challenge us in life and hold us accountable. And I think that connectedness is kind of what led us to get involved. So I'm Peter Emmerich, this is my wife, Kristen Emmerich, and we've been coming to GT for over six years now. We got connected um, with some of the staff here and helped out with GT and 60 mm -hmm. to start after we went through that whole process and some of the, the classes that are offered here. And then we started to lead a follow group here at the church on Wednesday night. And we loved it. Uh, it's often been taught to us too, or told to us that we crave connectedness. And as we felt more connected, I feel like looking in hindsight, you can just know that to be even more true. Like whenever you have a place and you feel like you belong and you're connecting with people and you're growing those relationships to kind of like think back of when you did it, you're like, wow, mm -hmm. I really needed that in my life. When we led the follow groups, um, it was kind of a conglomeration of people and all of that's great. But I remember us talking and saying like, it'd be so nice to just have a group of people who were in our realm, right? Like young adults, married, has kids. If we're looking for it, I bet there's other people looking for it. 
And so I bet if we step out, we're gonna find people. And then before you know it, we had 12 people, 14 people. All we had to do, and it wasn't anything special that we did, but all we had to do was say, there's a need that we see, and I bet that that need exists in other people's lives. As we've experienced it too, you, again, really don't have to have all of the answers. You don't have to be like fully prepared and know exactly where the conversation's gonna go, and oh my goodness, what if, you know, what if we start talking about this? I don't know exactly, you know, how I would answer that. Um, we're all on a journey together. We're just helping things to happen. It's not like we are anything special. Like we're just people who are leading a life group. And so if we're willing to just open our doors up to our house and say, we'll, we'll lead, God used it. And we're glad that we're really glad that he did because we found that friendship and fellowship. Um, and I think that connectedness that you can't get just coming to church. Mm -hmm. It's that fellowship that exists outside. Our relationship, I think, with each other has grown. Our relationship with God has grown. Um, and our relationship with people at church has grown. And that's really strong. So if you're interested in leading a group, which we would really encourage you to do, um, just to build more community, just stop out at the hub and uh, talk to the staff out there and they'll, they'll get that process started for you. It's a great story of a young couple in our church who took some steps to get connected and to avail themselves to use their tongues and their life to be a fountain of life for others. I love what, I love the way they talked about that, like just giving life and speaking life and making a difference in others' lives. So maybe as you watched that video, you, you felt a stirring in your heart, or maybe you've felt God stirring in your life for more than just this morning. You've kind of felt like a nudge towards um, investing in others' lives and becoming a group leader. As Peter said, stop at the hub today. Just stop by the serve desk, and our team would love to chat with you about all the, the different steps that uh, you could take to get involved in that way. Um, as Brian said and Chris McFadden, if you want to talk about uh, somebody in your life, or maybe even you, and you've been struggling with addiction, uh, please don't walk out of this building without stopping by and talking with Chris McFadden um, at the, the Adult and Teen Challenge uh, table in the hub. It's on this way, you're on your way out. Um, so a couple of things, and then we're going to stand and pray, and, and our team's going to lead us in a worship to kind of lead us out. Um, I'd remind you, because this, this is kind of one of those messages where uh, this is the way that I would say it is, it's a go and do message. You know, we, we have a lot of messages, sermons that we preach on a Sunday morning that, that have some kind of immediate response that we want you to consider. Um, oftentimes, it's for many people, it's the responses that we want you to receive Christ as your Lord. Um, and, and I would say this, it's, it seems silly for me to not to mention this, that if you haven't uh, if you're here today and you've never made the decision to make Jesus your Lord, uh, you are welcome to walk forward today after I pray and just talk with one of our prayer team members. Just say, hey, Scott mentioned, you know, there might be somebody here that needs Jesus. It's me. And our team would, man, they would love to talk with you and to pray with you and to walk you through the steps. We've got information they'll give you. Um, and to do that, if you have a prayer need in your life and you just need somebody to pray with you, you too can come forward and receive prayer at the altar. You could go to the sides where you can just pray privately by yourself or come to the center area and somebody will pray with you. Um, but the, So those are, the, those are the ways that you could respond immediately. But this is a go and do message. We want you to, to receive the word, to believe that God wants more for you as a follower of Jesus. It is not just, Peter said in the video, we can't just come on Sundays. It's more than this. 
And I know that, I know that there's gotta be some of you who, for you, that this is your, and we're glad you're here. We, man, we love you. We're so glad that you are here on Sunday. But friend, God has more for you than just Sunday morning. He wants your life. He wants to use you, to speak through you, to allow change to come. We prayed in the beginning of this service, right? We said, we give Jesus permission to change anything in our life. And maybe God wants to change the way that you are using your words. Uh, I would encourage you to, to either keep up or catch up with the reading plan this week. You should be in Proverbs chapter 12 this morning, this morning or later today, whenever you do your, your reading. Um, I would encourage you, married couples, let me say something to married couples today. Um, I would encourage you to agree together. To, you're already in a covenant, right? I would agree. I would encourage you to covenant together to, to read the Proverbs, to take the three Proverbs I gave you today. And as a couple, as a couple, agree that you will begin to implement this in your married life together. Some of you are here without your spouse. Maybe your spouse at home and they don't come to church and they, they're antagonistic to our experience. Then listen, friend, you live this out. You live it out and see what God might do in your marriage. See what God will do with your gentle answer instead of your harsh reply. What, what could God do in our lives if we started to live out the Proverbs, if we started to allow the Holy Spirit who lives in us to empower us to put into practice and to execute what the Proverbs tell us to do. Because as you read the Proverbs, there's, every chapter has 30 verses, that's 30 topics. I can't apply 30 different things in my life in one day. But with God's help and with the Holy Spirit, we can apply the things that he really wants us to work on right now and to do that in our lives. So I want you to stand today. Uh, there's so many different ways that you can apply this message. Um, and I'm gonna, we're gonna pray and then our, like I said, our team's gonna lead us in a song. I hope you'll stay and just sing with us and then Dan will dismiss us. But I wanna pray with us. I wanna pray for us today because I know that um, for some of you, this feels overwhelming. Well, I, I, this is, some of you will, some, this, again, maybe this is a prophetic word for one of you. Some of you will be tempted to use the excuse and you'll say to yourself or even to others, that's just not the way I am. And can I just call it what it is, friend? That's an excuse. You being careless with your words and saying that's just the way I am is an excuse. God wants more for you and he will empower you you, you put God's word in your heart and you'll see the word of God sown into your heart, into fertile soil, will produce life in you. It will produce life that you haven't seen before in your life. And with the Holy Spirit's help, he will water that seed. He'll enable you and empower you to do that, to empower you to do that which you think is impossible for you to do. Amen, church? Let's pray. God, today... We thank you that your word gives life. And most notably, God, your word gives life by pointing us to the author of life. His name is Jesus. And he loves us with an everlasting love. 
He loves us so much that he died on a cross as a payment for our sins. And as we now live in surrender to Jesus, we know that the call of God in our lives is more than being reckless with our words. God, the call in our lives, those of us who follow Jesus, is for us to give gentle answers, for us to, be, to remain silent when you want us to be silent. And God, for all of us at all times to live with guarded lips, because guarded lips honor God. And so, Father, I pray, God, that as we walk out of this place, every person to their, their own place, their own step, finding what's next for them, I'm asking you, God, to make yourself, show yourself faithful to us. You are good all the time, and we ask you to be faithful, to be empowering, to show us where we are weak, that you can make, it, make us strong. And I pray that you would heal relationships. Bring hope today where hope has been lost. Bring joy today where joy has been lost. And bring peace today where peace has been lost. We give you thanks today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.